What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, July 11th, 2022, and this week's episode, The Long Island Iced Tea. We'll be talking about this past Saturday's event, UFC Vegas 58, where the Battle of the Hafaels saw the best Hafael win. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. MMA enemy number one, Jake Paul, has an opponent. And it's not a former cage fighter. And we'll talk about the latest headliner, UFC Strawweights, taking the main event on October 1st. And we'll finish it off by previewing this Saturday's main event, the featherweight battle between Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hey, Double G. How you doing, man? I'm good, Natalie Z. What about you? Oh, you know, hanging in there, looking at the weather, and it's... uh. Oh, it's going to be 95 all week or something like that. <laughs> it's just hot. It's like, okay, like the flowers in the front yard or the house, like they don't bloom anymore. Not because we don't water them, but it's just so hot that the heat just cooks them before they bloom. So they yeah. just have this awkward quarter bloom, like the green like shell <laughs> opens, but all the petals just fry before yeah. they ever open. And it's just so depressing. It's that kind of... You know, summer problems in the desert in California. Summer what could I say? In the desert. Yep. I mean, my AC's broken. Oh. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Summer problems in the desert. <laughs> you know, you need to that fix that. That should be the name. You I know. You need to fix that. You could die. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have fans. <laughs> oh. I mean, you you mean the ones that watch our show? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I use their energy to keep me cool. <laughs> I mean, that's a... Uh, you know, very energy efficient. Yep. <laughs> uh, so let's get into it. The Battle of the Hafaels saw Hafael Faziv take the victory. Um, you know, this one, I know the event as a whole, and we could, you know, I, 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 I'll just say it bluntly. The pacing on Saturday wasn't good. It was a, it, it did not, it, it's not going to go down once again in the annals of great fight nights and UFC events. But we did have quite the headliner, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was worried this could turn into a bit of a blowout. Uh, Faziv can't defend the takedowns, or or Rafael just keeps getting pieced up on the feet. Instead, that was a very fun back-and-forth fight. I was very impressed with Dos Anjos. You know, he was up against a younger guy, and he was bringing the fight to him. Kept going for takedowns, kept working his game. He always went in having the... Overall, I'd say more versatile game, but then Fazeev just obviously on the feet, he was leading the dance in many of the exchanges. He defended those takedowns really well throughout the fight, gave up a couple, and RDA did what he could with them, but for the most part, very impressed with Dos Anjos, the kind of performance he turned in at this stage of his career against a young killer, and for Fazeev, how well prepared he was, how well he executed his game plan. Um, the ending, I know the judges, uh, two judges had uh, Rafael Faziv up 3-1. to one. one judge had it even 2-2 two to two going into the fifth. In the end, it didn't matter. Faziv catches RDA with that right hand low, clips him with a flush left hook, and that was a wrap from there. Just very impressive, very fun fight for as long as it lasted. What were your thoughts? RDA looked great. He, he did, he, you know, it was competitive throughout and when you're looking at the history of RDA the age difference the experience you know it, it could have gone either way except that you know RDA is still at the top of of the game you know look at his physique this time I mean he's developed extra muscles on his back that I've never seen anyone else display you know in the octagon so he's doing the right amount of work strength and conditioning, working the right parts of his body to stay in the mix. He looked great. He was right there going back and forth with Fazeev, who I knew was going to be great and going to, and going to show up and perform. A great takedown defense by Fazeev, even able to reverse uh, at least once that I can recall. So what was interesting to me is it was, it was pretty well matched back and forth. The break before the fifth round, Pettineris tells RDA, Fazeev is dead. He's dead. He's tired. And those words came back to bite that team in the butt because RDA later admits that he was expecting Fazeev to be in this more tired state 
but Fazeev came out like it was the first round. How long could that have ener- had that energy lasted? We'll never know. But he was bouncing on his toes, kicking fast throughout that whip, whip, whip fast combination, and he caught RDA right on the chin, snapped his head back and forth, right, and then gave him another shot uh, uh, on the canvas. It looked for a moment, maybe it was too early of a call, but you see it from the reverse angle. RDA's head slammed onto the canvas. He was done. His arms were not in a defensive position, so I have no issue with that call. I don't think RDA did either in the end. It was a great win for Fazeev, and I love the uh, the call-out for the third Rafael Nadal uh, tennis player there, and I think what was funniest is that he thought it was a very uh, entertaining joke, and, and Michael Bisping wasn't really giving him love for it, so, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you think a joke is, is going to really hit, and it doesn't, and uh, <laughs> you just got to move on, but it was a great win for Fazeev. If I'm RDA, is my last thought. If I'm RDA... Uh, if I'm matchmakers, if I'm the UFC, I'm looking at RDA as still a really viable contender in the division. This doesn't diminish him. It's a minor setback because losses always are, but he looked great. So I'm still considering him in the top of 155, and and he's in the mix. A hundred percent. I think that you got to remember that that Shark Tank of that top five, six guys. Like I mean. Look who you got. You've got uh, Oliveira. Okay, coming off wins. Oliveira, Mahachev, uh, Dariush, Chandler, um, Gamrot now. Guys like that. And RDA is one of them. And, and, you know, it it just goes to show you, like, how freaking good and talented those guys are at the top. That you could be a completely great fighter and still it's just so hard. That's why... That's why guys like Habib and Charles are so impressive because you know the level of guys who are up there. Mind you, that's not to mention Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje who on any given night run through a bunch of those guys too. So put it all together. You know, I I don't think that's something for RDA to hang his hat on. It's just, you know, look, it, it was just one of those nights. He was up against a very talented new guy to the mix. Um, I liked uh, one. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I think he needed to stop messing with Nadal. I mean, Rafael Nadal. <laughs> if you watch tennis, let me tell you something. That guy put down the racket and said he wanted to devote his life to MMA as a kid. He would be whooping some, you know what, in the cage. Yep. Let me tell you, Rafa would. Rafa doesn't know how to fight MMA. I promise you, Rafa is not intimidated by Fazeev, even after that one. <laughs> anyway, but that I digress. Um. I, I like the call out of Gaethje. I think that him and Gamrot uh, a week, two weeks ago, uh, th- they're doing, I think that's just very opportune timing. They know that Poirier's got his eyes on Diaz or, you know, Colby or someone else like that for sure. So I think that them trying to find an opponent who they feel might be ripe for for taking out and who's just recently fought for the title I think that's good. If I'm Gaethje, and really if I'm the UFC, I think it looks better to have Fazeev get that fight just because I believe RDA was ranked higher. Gamrot uh, and um, Sarukian two weeks ago, I believe they were both outside the top 10 by the UFC rankings. Not that those matter, but just for business, it kind of looks better. Gaethje, from a business side, it's probably the better fight to go after Fazeev rather than take the fight with Gamrot. But once again, I mean, there's so many guys who wants what when they get back. I mean, I don't know if uh, Poirier and Chandler and all of that. By the way, uh, we didn't talk about it. That whole exchange with Poirier and Chandler. Did you see that from Gilbert Burns on IG? Man, I, I didn't get a chance to actually watch the footage. Was uh, was it pretty pretty heated? Okay, so what's weird, Jiri Prohashka just looks like this random bald bystander, but <laughs> it's Jiri Prohashka. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of, they, I'll just say it, uh, Poirier was using some non-traditional Poirier type language. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, what do you say? I, I kind of want to know. But um, I feel like this is another scenario where it's like, okay, well, What's everyone waiting on? And I think it comes down to what happens with Connor, what happens with Charles. Like, for example, is 
Charles going to fight Mahachev? Is Charles going to fight Alex Volkanovsky? In which case, Poirier, you know, what are you going to get? Are you going to fight Diaz? Are you going to move up to 170? Because if you're Chandler, Chandler's looking at a guy like Poirier. Chandler's looking at a guy like Conor McGregor, you know. Uh, just where do we go with this? So I think that that has locked up a lot of these entertaining guys at 155 in that top five. In which case, it just kind of seems to propel the Justin Gaethje argument further. Although I'm not going to lie to you, I could also see Justin Gaethje fighting um, uh, Dustin Poirier if none of these big fights we're talking about even materialize. What about you? You know, I was thinking about Dustin and Justin, and I think that they need, I wouldn't say a tune-up, right? But but if they fight each other again, they're just going to brutalize each other. And there's so much on the line with them having had these big fights and losing you know, two opportunities for the belt. I think they need someone that's a little bit lower ranked or, you know, like Nate Diaz or something. So that they have a chance to just take a breath. Not that there's any gimme fights in the division, as we've been saying, but if it's Justin and Dustin, they're just going to stand there and bang. And I don't want to see that. They, they've been doing too much of that lately. So I would like them to just have other opponents do a little reset and then, and then see how it circles, how it shakes out, you know, who gets back into that contender position. That, that's fair. I think that's a good one. In which case, where do we go with Gamro, Gamrot's, uh, sorry, not Gamrot, oh my gosh, see, Fiziv. I'm thinking about all of them. See, there's too many of them. There's too many. There's too many now, which is good. It's a good problem to have, but there's too many for me to keep straight. I mean, uh, I'll say this. If Chandler ends up being the odd man out, let's go with um, uh, Michael Chandler and Fiziv. I think that could be fun. Really test them both. I think that... um, Gaethje's up there. I don't want any of them to fight Tony. I, I think no. that Tony needs someone more, you know, the pendulum swinging down, not up right now. Connor, yeah. Dan Hooker. Yeah, I, I don't even know about Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's a guy. Dan Hooker, ironically, is perfect for guys like Tony and Connor right now, you know? Yeah, so unfortunately it, for him, but yeah. Yes, but you get what I'm where I'm going of with course. this. So, I mean, maybe even him and Gamrot. I yeah. mean, that's not a bad idea either. So I think we're going to wait and see just like where they go with Connor and Charles because that'll dictate where a lot of these guys try to get back in with. Because, I mean, look, Nate Diaz, he's perfect for Dustin. He's perfect for Connor. And it just feels like no one, it just, I don't know if they're trying to wait to see what Connor wants when he gets back, but it's just, it's it's been frustrating for a while. And it shows no signs of stopping, to be honest. Yeah, it is. But, you know, looking at this and thinking about what we just saw, Connor RDA, which, you know, we never got a chance to see, would also be a good one if I can do uh, some dream matchmaking here. Um, It's a tough bout for Connor, but it's not as serious as going up against Oliveira, Poirier, Gaethje, you know, even Makachev. So. You know, I like that too. I, I don't hate the idea. I think Connor doesn't. Uh, if Connor's smart, Connor doesn't really like it either, though. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I'll be honest, and I've said this, yeah. it sounded like a hater thing. I swear it's not. I always felt like nine times out of ten, even if he wins, that fight with Jose Aldo is super competitive for Connor. Yeah. And I've always said when he moved up to fight RDA, at the time, RDA was lighting dudes up. He had pieced up Pettis. Um, I believe he'd beaten Cowboy at that time. This is not a gimme fight for Connor, even at this stage, to fight RDA. So it, just stylistically, he has a lot of the weapons to give him problems. But anyway, a story for another day. Um, so we talked about the pacing. It wasn't exactly, you know... The most electrifying card, but things did get going, you know, the malarkey fight and all that. Uh, we didn't touch on it, but I feel like it's worth a discussion. Dana White, he is, I believe they call it conspicuous because of his absence. The fact that he wasn't there made us notice him, or maybe not. And I want to toss it to you. UFC, I'm assuming if he's on vacation, 
it took this week to stay off or last week to stay off longer in the end did you find it odd that we did not see dana white during the ufc's biggest week of the year it is it is odd um but it's kind of like one of those things where there's so much going on anyway that maybe you don't notice it right away and maybe you think about it halfway through the week like oh i haven't seen him and then you kind of forget again because there's just so much going on that press conference really you know took up a lot of people's uh, headspace and so you when do you remember again that he's not there well the belts you know they're like hey that's not dana white i wonder where he is and again then it's easy to just move at least for me maybe i'm just maybe i'm the only one who just kind of gets distracted it's like oh where is he oh look a squirrel you know mm-hmm. and so i just <laughs> i i noticed that he wasn't there but i moved on with my life i remembered again that i moved on with my life and so i think for me his absence would have to be a little bit longer you know like uh, a month or something for me to be like okay something's up um but this is not unusual i feel like we've seen this before I have to say that while it's one of those things that does cross your mind that especially I think at the end of the week, I will say at the post fire press conference, sometimes and this is a little unfair, but when we have a fight that plays out the way Adesanya and Cannoneer did, you kind of I feel like those are the best moments because you want to know how does Dana White feel is does he do you get the feeling like he wants more out of a fighter who's being dominant and yeah. you, you know you kind of feel like sometimes it's like you know every now and then he's gonna kind of throw one of the fighters and just put the fire under him like hey you know you can't be delivering fights like that or this like that you know he, he's not oh you know he, sometimes he kind of is critical and uh, you know he'll use that language with them yeah. that's fine that's For a fight a, like that, you would have wanted to hear what he had to say, right? Because you know he would have been brutally honest. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. But And I will say, you know, there are times, you know, okay, how do you feel about Volkanovski moving up? I don't know. We'll talk to the matchmakers Tuesday. And, it, you know, he says it so much. I think that's like, oh, you know. Uh, I, I, Brett Okamoto did an interview once. He, he said something like, um, like, I think Brett said to him, like, look, I ask you about fights you're trying to make. You tell me that you're still working on it. And we just keep doing this until one of us breaks. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly the truth. Let's be honest. It, yeah. it, it kind of plays out the same way each time. Fights, deals, etc. Um, on that note, what I will say is that I can't help but feel like this was a very odd week to take off. The last two. Mostly because... You have Hall of Fame, you have the International Fight Week, celebrities everywhere who had to have hit him up personally. Um, and it just, it, you know, this is the one he takes off. Yeah. And and I know people haven't talked to, you know, there there isn't a concrete, oh, where was he, where wasn't he? But the impression we've gotten is that, like, if he was sick, you almost feel like he would have just said it by now. Like, oh, I had a cold, I had a flu. Good fight by Alex Pereira. Good fight by Alex Volkanovsky. Um, so this gives me the impression that he's, you know, chosen to step away for a, a little bit right now. But in which case, I will bring it up. Is this a sign? Is, you know, the UFC president looking to, uh, you know, because he's done it before. Suddenly John Annex running the press conference. Mm-hmm. big pay-per-view and says okay well here we have john anik here to yeah. face the media and you know is this a sign dana white might be t- looking to take the foot off the pedal a little bit at least in the public yeah i guess so i mean and it was an interesting choice for it to be john anik you know and the uh, you remember dave scholler right like they yeah. always kind of look similar and so i was like wait is that am i you know we flash back in here so you know john anik who's of uh, on the you know, the outward facing the, the commentary team, I, I don't see him. I don't associate him with the business end of the sport of the promotion. So why not whoever the, you know, marketing guy is now, I don't know who that is, or, you know, this Hunter Campbell person, maybe you've seen his picture. 
I've to me he's like the elusive entity that all the fighters reference um, or one of the matchmakers you know so it was an odd choice I was fine with it because Anik is a super professional but it's just odd because he's not from the business side of the sport I'd agree with you I think that um because we have more questions about the future of Izzy Volk the lightweight division we still continue to have questions about Francis Ngannou Questions about John Jones. And look, maybe he's discussed these ad nauseum. Maybe he's just like, look, you really want to know? Go watch what I said to Okamoto, TSN, the Nelk Boys. By the way, did I tell you the Nelk Boys? Or I don't know if they are the... I don't know. Okay, I'll just say it bluntly. For all the Gen Zers out there, yes, I'm that old. I don't know how many <laughs> Nelk Boys they are. there are. But I do know that their channel isn't like... Nelk, like that's not their branding. It's like full send, which oh. is like being all in when you say something. Apparently, Natalie, did you okay. know this? Well, of course not. I I They're still don't joking. understand the thing with the cap, and that means you're lying. I so I don't. None of this stuff makes sense to me. No, I did not know full send. No. I've been saying no. I'm not gonna lie. No cap sounds a lot better than no lie. It does sound. <laughs> it just sounds cooler. I I gotta be yeah, honest. Okay. But anyway, like they were at Radio Row and they. You know, they felt kind of like, like we all have designated tables, but they did all their stuff making it look like man on the street. And I couldn't help but like, I saw them and I'm like, are those the actual like Nelk boys or are there like tears to them? Like some of them are the stars of the channel and then they have, you know, their, uh, what's uh, the word I'm looking for? Like in the theater where you, you're the backup person in case the star gets sick. Oh, the understudy. Yes. <laughs> there it is. It's like, are these the Nelk Boys, Nelk Boys, or are these the understudy Nelk Boys? I'm <laughs> still not sure. But anyway, the fact is, like, okay, Dana's like, you want to know? I talked to them for an hour. Just go watch that. And it's like, well, I don't know. But uh, I will say, to have not seen Dana White for a while now or hear him talk about the biggest event of the year is like, you know what? This is a, you know, this is different. And I don't know if this is a sign or it's just, hey, he feels like he's ready to enjoy a 4th of July for the first time in a long time. But I just couldn't help but notice. Yeah, it, it okay, I'll, my, I won't hammer this into the grave, but this is, yeah, this is one of the biggest events of the year. So what reason would he have to skip it and... Is it is it something where just, you know, the vacation had to be had at this time where is he just like, you know what, I'm tired of I'm tired and this one is so big and exhausting, like, let's see how it runs without me, you know? See what happens. I mean it ran fine. It ran we, fine. We kinda yeah. hit all did we hit all the usual suspects? Yes. Did we have this? Did we have did we have a press conference? Did we have weigh ins? Did anyone get hurt? Did any this? Did it nope, we're good. Yeah. So maybe this could be a test run. Yeah, you're right. In that case, let's talk about somebody who really does. Uh, he just does make sure he's everywhere, isn't he? Mr. Jake yep. Paul, uh, public enemy number one in the world of mixed martial arts. And he is not fighting Tommy Fury. And we will get into that. But he is fighting Haseem Rahman Jr., and Natalie, you get your wish. Public enemy number one is fighting a boxer. A heavyweight boxer. Taller, heavier, more experienced than Jake. Um, from boxing day one kind of kid. What are your thoughts on the news? I'm excited. Um, because we're going to finally see Jake Paul fight someone his own size. Um, someone who's, as you said, actually a boxer from you know from from birth if you will almost and i'm thinking you know this is an interesting choice because i wouldn't say you're guaranteed to get knocked out or to lose the fight but i just find it hard to believe that jake paul even though he's you know says he's committed his whole life night and day to it for the last however number of years now you're in with the real boxers let's see where his skills you know, how his skill set stands up. So I'm glad he's doing this. And I, you know, I have to look more into this Hasim gentleman. Just I want to see some footage and see what we're looking at here. 
you know, but Jake Paul knocks out fighters who just stand there, who are known for wrestling, who are not boxers, who are MMA fighters. This is what, you know, hopefully this is the beginning of Jake Paul actually trying to prove he can be a boxer. That's that's what I'll say. So some facts about Raman Jr. 12-1 and one as a professional. Over 100 amateur fights is a number I've heard thrown out. I haven't actually double-checked that. Um, Raman Jr.'s father is one of only two men to ever defeat uh, the legendary Lennox Lewis. Um, and here is something that a lot of people have highlighted and underlined um, with different color ink. <laughs> Raman Jr. previously helped train and spar with Jake Paul. Oh. Which some people are saying, well, is that the inside scoop? Yes, but other people are saying, so in other words, this is a buddy of Jake Paul's who Jake might have paid to take a dive. Because it's like, hey, man, we're cool. I'll make it worth it for you to take that L. I'm not saying that happened. But when I heard it, I was like, Hmm. Do I find that hard to believe? And I'm like, no. No, no. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. But, but that's a story for another day. Um, I, I got to say, I think their press conference, I just got an email. I believe they're doing it tomorrow. We will probably find out more about the heat, whether it feels genuine or not between the two. Um, that being said... On paper, I think Jake Paul just, uh, I, I think that that bleached hair is kind of gone to his head. I think that he's gotten too much tattoo ink into his bloodstream. <laughs> I think that you, you're taking on this young kid, big boy, all this stuff, and you think you're going to just go out there and get a dub because you got some heavy hands for a middleweight? Oh, good luck. But um, yes, for the record, I, I'm, I think this is going to be too much for Paul. Yeah. That being said, I am disappointed for that very reason because I felt like if this is going to happen, I would have rather it be against Anderson Silva. I would have rather it been against Tommy Fury, somebody that we've kind of followed this storyline. Like, okay, it, you know, Anderson for the honor of the MMA fighters. Yep. Tommy because they have all those connections and they've gone back and forth now for a while. Roman Jr. just feels very plucked out of thin air. Kind of like I heard them talk about it. Canelo and Dimitri Bivol. Mm -hmm. Like Bivol was not built up correctly and then he kind of fights Canelo and he gets Canelo beat and it's you know he doesn't get over himself all the way you know. Yeah. So you, I feel like we have that issue right now with Raman Jr. Obviously, if he goes out there and sleeps Jake Paul, people are going to know him more. But it does not work as well as had it been built up the way we've seen the other guys recently. So um, on that note, Tommy Fury. <laughs> so a lot of this is alleged, reported. Nothing has been said from the horse's mouth. But the thing that people are coming up with is that he tried to enter the United States for their press conference about a week or two ago. And what happened was that he was denied entry. And the rule or the reason that is being thrown around is that he because remember, um, we just talked about Munir Lazez, that his brother Tyson and his father are involved with the, you know, the guy involved, what was it, in Ireland, the drug lord, yeah. uh, Daniel Kinahan. And so because Tommy's family, not necessarily Tommy directly himself at the same level, is involved with Kinahan, they denied Tommy entry into the United States, even though he was apparently in California a month earlier. And then this mostly is from Jake Paul's words, not Tommy's. Jake Paul said, we are aware of the situation. We've told him what he has to do. He has to go to the embassy and we've we've facilitated. All he has to do is show up and, you know, essentially do what they need him to do. And then he'll be allowed into the United States. Tom, for, per Jake Paul, not Tommy, uh, they, Tommy did not go 
To their knowledge, he did not do any of this with the embassy. Tommy went on social media to say he's leaving it up to his lawyers, and that's just it. But the fact is, that is what ultimately uh, scrapped the fight. What are your thoughts upon it's hearing this? so bizarre. It's like out of a, you know, episode of a... Or no, it feels like it's a Guy Ritchie movie or something, you know? And yes. It, I mean, this Kinahan man, whoever he is, is uh, really causing trouble for us fight fans, right? Um, I mean, not really, because this is, this is periphery. This is fringe, right? Jake Paul fighting whoever he's fighting. It's always on the fringe. It's not... You know, we it's the kind of thing where you roll your eyes and you talk about it because he makes noise and then, you know, he fights someone that you, in the MMA world, so you got to pay attention. However, it still makes news and it's still sort of interesting to see what's going on over there. So it's just super weird. And, you know, yeah, I'm reminded of this uh, UFC fighter. What was his name again? Munir. Uh, yes. Luzes. Like yeah. Randomly just declares that he loves Daniel Kinahan in the cage, right? So there's clearly some crazy stuff going on in the background. And I think Jake Paul did the right thing. Like, you can't just cling on to this Tommy Fury thing forever. Move on with your life. You know, I'm curious to know what weight they're going to fight. He's going to fight Ramon at, uh, at because, you know, there's a significant weight difference there. And he, he'll be undersized. He'll be the smaller guy. I didn't so think of this. This is a good point. You know, it's a part of me. I'm drinking some water. So it's a risk for Jake Paul. But, you know, sometimes I feel compelled to give the man credit. Like, a month away, he's just like, I got to I gotta continue to get rid of the fight. I don't want to be stressed out by this nonsense, this fury nonsense. So I'm going to pick somebody else. Whatever happens, happens, and let's go. So I kind of respect him for that, if that's the truth. And that's it. No, I got you. I... Is it like the Godfather kind of thing? You know, it's like, look, you know, you come to me on the morning of my daughter's wedding and all this is like... You ask me for a favor. Yeah, and it's like, what, what's going on with this whole Kinahan thing? Is it like, you know, like, look, I'm not going to ask you to be involved, but you're going to... You know, his whole thing in that scene is like, you know, you've never wanted to be my friend, but now you ask me a favor. Is that a whole thing? It's like, yeah. you know, like they're 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 supported by him but they're not involved in the underworld so to speak right so that's uh, i don't know and i don't even want to get into it i, I get nervous talking about it anymore. publicly right I know. <laughs> but, but you know it's like um we're clearly seeing things and it's like wait what the heck is going on yep so i'll just leave it at that okay <laughs> but yeah it's like i'm hearing this and it's like wait what anyway <laughs> Oh, you know, crazy times. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> anyway, um, some other stuff going on. Uh, recently announced, uh, Mackenzie Dern will be taking on Yan Chonan on the October 1st UFC Fight Night. Not confirmed if it's an Apex card or if they're traveling, etc., etc. But certainly comes at an interesting time. I did speak with Mackenzie at the UFC Radio Row. She did let me know, essentially, so a bit of a, you know, the word on the street is that she is aware that like, okay, what's going on with Marina and Rose? She said to her knowledge that they had tried to make something with Marina and Rose Namajunas, which kind of confirms what we thought that Zhang Wei Li most likely jumping the line to take Carla Esparza. But she also let know that it seems like Marina and Rose are not on the same page in terms of scheduling. In which case, that's why Mackenzie was like, well, I my schedule is wide open. I'm good to go. Obviously, the UFC has different plans for all of the big, the, that big three, big four of Rose, Carla, Marina and them and Zhang Weili. This sets up a really important fight, though, for both Mackenzie and Shonan. For Dern, obviously... She got the win over Tisha to get back in the win column. But now you have this scenario where you really got to get a win if you want to stay in that race to get to the title. Especially if it's going to be against someone. As long as Marina doesn't hold the title, you can always sneak in with timing. And then for Yan Shonan, we talked about her. You know, she's someone who kind of flew under the radar. Got a big opportunity against Carla Esparza. Didn't go her way. 
But then she responds, a lot of people said she won the fight with Marina Rodriguez. So this is a girl who now has, now that she has the spotlight, now that she's getting attention, having a great performance against Mackenzie Dern would be huge for her trying to get back into that title picture, especially when you consider a fight between her and Zhongwei Li, fights with her and Rose Namajunas, and maybe down the line rematch with Carla. I will say that demand isn't too high right now. But the fact is, it creates for some interesting storylines. What are your thoughts? It is, it, yeah, we have a good mix of fighters here. And even though the, the Sparza Nami Yunus fight was such a disappointment, the fact that Carla won kind of makes things, you know, a little bit more exciting uh, in this division. Because it, it just gives opportunities, fresh matchups and whatnot. So uh, specifically, though, to Mackenzie Dern, this is a great pairing for her. It's a good challenge and a good opportunity, win or lose. She's still really young. So because she's came in with this, you know, the name and the hype, she's going to be more likely to get shuttled to the top with one or two wins. But she's still young. So even if she were to lose, um, you know, she's still in the mix, right? And so that's why this is kind of a win-win situation for her. her. Her name value isn't going anywhere. And this is a good a good test for her to see, you know, whether she wins by decision or she wins in emphatic fashion. If it's a great, you know, highlight submission, then then she's really going to get catapulted catapulted to that next on deck position. So you know, for me, this is just this is just a good matchup. Yeah, I think that. Um... It, it, it makes for a very fun fight stylistically. Obviously, we'll start breaking down later. They have a lot of notice. I mean, this is two yeah. and a half months. Uh, yeah, th- there's one. There's a lot that could happen between now and then. But um, yeah, I-, I think it just really... I like the timing of it because you feel like it kind of gears up the winner for whatever happens. I have to think... I, this is just me speculating, but bring Rose Namajunas back to Madison Square Garden... Have her fight Marina. Maybe Carla Jongwei Lee December. I know Carla said she's still on the mend. And then, every, you know, Mackenzie or Jan, the winner is just ready for either of those girls, you know, the, who comes out of that. So, yeah. And then it's just set up well. Can, um, can I ask you a quick side note? Sure. How do you feel about fight? Okay, if you are not like a George St. Pierre in Canada type of thing. How do you feel about them having the same fighters go back to the same venues that are not Las Vegas? Like Rose, like keeping Rose in New York kind of deal. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I like, I don't have anything against it. And she's done great at Madison Square Garden. You know, I think specifically the first time she beat Young Jacek, like that's just one of those memorable moments. Um so as long as the fighter likes it, maybe it brings them some kind of you know comfort because you remember the locker room, you remember general layout and the feeling, the, you know, the volume of the crowd based on the size of the arena. You know, I don't have an issue with it. Um, it's kind of like a you know a second home base. Does the UFC do it on purpose? And if it seems so, and if they do, is it because they just have seen that the numbers? you know, support the case, you know, that fans in this whatever particular area, in this case, New York, like Rose and like whoever else she gets matched up with, or I'm sorry, um, in the same card with. So, yeah, I I don't, I really don't think about it. And so I don't have an issue with it uh, off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Are you coming from this at this from a a notion of maybe you want to see things get mixed up or slightly yeah so here's my thing i feel like for example the t-mobile arena for one they go to the t-mobile several times a year about four if i'm not mistaken um in vegas everyone goes through vegas like every big fight like the top three options one of them is always t-mobile las vegas because it's las vegas okay um more so than things like 
staples now crypto arena more so than things like the dallas cowboys stadium or like the cowboys arena or not the cowboys arena the mavericks arena i forget the name off the top of my head in dallas but you know my my point of that is that it's different i think with msg for whatever reason it's not like big names haven't fought in msg but it's not a recurring destination if you get what i mean for a lot of athletes right now so here's the thing okay it, she's been in three title fights there if i'm not mistaken she wait yes three title fights two yoana one um the one with jong way lee uh respectfully i mean in new york one of them two msg one was at barclays like yeah 45 minutes down the street okay uh, if the fans really want to see her there, then by all means, keep booking her. But there are times when I feel like I remember as a paying fan, and it's not like GSP in Canada. It's not like if you put Brandon Moreno in Mexico City it or C- Connor in Ireland. Suddenly, it becomes a little like, hey, wait, like, if my event to go to is in New York because I don't make the travel all the way to Vegas for XYZ reasons, then I do want some variety. But then they keep giving us Rose. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Rose, but I keep having my strawberry ice cream and I'm ready for chocolate mint chip. Okay. But she's just one, you know, one fighter on the car. But she's always at the top. Yeah, she'll the top, top or second but from look, the top. Up until the, as far as the fight, has she not delivered? Has she not entertained? I mean, so. Yes, this is true. But I, I just, and I say this because the calendar looks like it's pointing right at Rose <laughs> Marina in New York once again. And it's I mean, like, were they going to send her to Minnesota? Like, where's she from, right? Minnesota, Wisconsin? I can't remember where she's from. She's from. She trains in Denver. Well, yeah, she trains in from, Denver. From, oh, my God, that place with Pettis, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, that's right, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Denver, I mean, look, the bigger issue I have, and, and I'm glad you asked me this question about locations because I still want to keep having a conversation with you about why do they continue to do fights at the apex? Everyone's living their lives now. I mean, COVID's still in the air, but everyone's trying to act like it's not, and I get it. So, like, come on, guys, go back to going around the world i just am tired of these quiet little you know basement fights at the apex that's all so i think that if you ask me honestly i think one of the big things is logistics for example after a huge week in vegas to then have to say okay we're gonna get back on the road and we need to be in minnesota on Tuesday to prep for UFC Fight Night Minnesota that is now you know that is stressful on this team that I think is really not that look it's their job obviously but they get a little overworked and it's like okay it's a little easier keep it at home base things are more comfortable things are a little less stress-free than to okay let's we just had came off this big week Everyone got Monday off for 4th of July. Okay, let's hit back on the road. I think this helps in that respect. Secondly, um, just a bit of... I, I guess you'd have to ask how many arenas, what is the situation anymore? Because UFC is essentially like bringing a visiting team everywhere. Yeah. Because yeah. you know that was the thing with the basketball. Like some of the Warriors is like, well, if you're a resident... Like, if you play for the team, you obviously live in Golden State, uh, NorCal. You needed to be vaccinated or New York, Brooklyn with the Kyrie Irving thing that got a lot of news. If every athlete is a visiting team kind of deal with UFC, what are the rules? And it's, I don't know, I feel like you almost need numbers from every venue and every market to know that. But I would imagine it's part logistics part just less stress but Dana White has said it I think everyone has seen it every time there is a crowd especially for these big fights the way they're stacking them the roof has just popped off yeah London Austin um you know Columbus I'm not gonna lie Columbus even had a good card and they got revved up pretty good 
So really, to me, it's just like, well, what more do we need? What are we waiting for? In which case, like I said, I think that there is a level of comfort that the company likes. And it's like, look, the fact is we're coming off a very busy time. We don't have to hit the road. We could just bring everybody to our house here, be home by 10 o'clock at night and call it macaroni. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, yes, I'm, I, it's clear that that's the easier answer. Uh, and, and of course, it was necessary and vital to the business during the pandemic. You know, let's not forget that they used to be the that they were a road show up until, you know, 2019, 2020. Yep. And so I guess yeah, I mean, I guess they're just having these conversations and saying like we actually enjoy not having to be running around from city to city every week and we have an opportunity here and so it's fine to keep using the Apex in that capacity, but I feel like it's just too many uh too, still too many at this point in the pan, you know pandemic I want to say post pandemic life but you know in the towards the end of the pandemic life like let's get let's get this ball rolling you know they've more. only had four apex events since uh, May June including uh, last week it just feels like too many. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not going to give it to So okay, can, okay, pure speculation. So the reasons I told you, I feel like that's reason. Yeah, that's fair. Um another thing, when they go on the road, you notice how stacked those fight nights are, relatively speaking? Some of them, some of those undercards have been better than the pay-per-views. Obviously it doesn't feature championship, but some of those undercards like Austin, that was a pretty good card. London all things considered, had you put Usman and Leon on there, people would not have complained if you put 75 bucks on that thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe that's a little bit in hindsight, but I digress. Last week's card with this Saturday's card, Fiziv and Dos Anjos. Can you imagine that one selling out a, let's say the Minnesota arena, the Louisiana arena, the Tennessee arena? No. That might be it. They do have a lot of events. The fact is they don't have the resources to sell out every fight night at their current schedule. And so you notice uh, some of these Apex fights, I've noticed there's a little less gas on them than there used to be. And I think that's part of the scheduling. And I think that that's what we might be seeing right now. I can think of... Okay, let me ask you. If there's another reason off the top of your head, can you think of it? Uh, money's always going to be the final reason. So There you go. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, then again, hey, they feel like they'll... If they can't sell out an arena like doing a fight night, then just apex it. And just all your fighters fight. Everyone has contracts fulfilled and the money keeps on rolling, right? But Do they have a... Do they own their hotel like is there a hotel at the ufc hotel or do they have like a lease agreement with the hotel in 2020 they were building it is what dana white said he said they were looking to invest and build up a property i do know that more at least at the end of 2021 they were still having fighters stay at a local hotel okay and just you know, rent it out, rent out a couple floors, all this stuff. Anyway. Gotcha. Okay. I, I I can't imagine any other reason why there are Apex fights. But I think that also, I'll say it again, there is more money and more people involved in UFC than there was pre-pandemic. And part oh. of me felt like, is it just no one's traveling so we don't see it? No, now that they are on the road, the number of people there, the number of companies spending big money on big production value on mma ufc content is just bigger Mm. and i think that that's it they're just like look you know we're not going to bring an inferior card and try to sell out like a crypto.com arena we're gonna bring a big card if we're gonna fill up a house so maybe that's why they're still apex cards because they can't do that with all of them just yet yeah and still put on a fight card every week so that, that that's the only that's my main I'll stand by that theory because the more I say it the more I feel like I figured it out yeah 
Okay. Got um, it. Let's talk about... Um, okay, speaking of having an arena, you'll get your wish. <laughs> this Saturday, Long Island, New York. It makes me a little sad that Chris Weidman's not there. But okay. I digress it once again. But we do have a great featherweight fight. Um, Yair Rodriguez taking on Brian Ortega. High stakes in the featherweight title picture. Yair most likely locks in. Title fight or interim title fight if he wins. Brian Ortega, he stays in the mix. He most likely gets another big fight like with a Max Holloway or someone like that. With a win here to stay in the hunt for the title. What are your thoughts on this one? This is this is a great, exciting matchup with two fighters that always bring it. And, you know, Yair hasn't fought as much as we wanted him to, but, you know, that Max Holloway battle was was epic. And Ortega, you know, has he lost every his last couple of fights, two fights, one fight? Was it just Holloway that he lost? I'm sorry, not Holloway, Volkanovski that he lost to, and um, Korean Zombie was the fight before that. Is that how it went? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, the thing with Ortega is he's a fan favorite. He likes to stand there and bang, even though he has this amazing jiu-jitsu pedigree. And I think with someone like Yair Rodriguez, the probably the right strategy if you're Ortega is to take him down. Think about what Frankie Edgar was able to do to Yair Rodriguez with takedowns. But Ortega, I mean, I just, you, you can't take the, the brawler out of the guy. And so I think he's going to try and stand there and bang like Max Holloway did with, with Rodriguez. And if we're comparing strikers, Rodriguez is, is a superior striker. Now, the Ortega we saw fight Korean Zombie looked amazing. But Volkanovski rightly identified that, you know, the, the reason Ortega looks so good there is because Zombie is flat-footed. He doesn't really move. Volkanovski is the opposite of that. And against Volkanovski, we saw Ortega get, you know, pretty much owned. So if I'm Ortega, I'm I'm hopefully, you know, thinking as soundly as possible. I want to get back in the win column. I want to show, I want to fight smart. Everyone knows I can brawl. I don't need to brawl every time. I'm hoping he uses his ground game as much as possible and tries to win that way. Because if he stands in base with Rodriguez, I don't think it's going to look good. Now the difference would be there, I think if we're just talking punches, to the face, Ortega, I think, is a heavy hitter. But Yair Rodriguez is so versatile with the spinning back moves and the kicks that, you know, the, it could be a volume play for Rodriguez if it stays on the feet. So it's an exciting matchup. I think more is at stake for Ortega than for Rodriguez because Ortega has this, you know, this image that's been built up and, and needs to be sustained and i think if he loses it's going to start getting losing value so i'll toss it back to you but um this is a really important fight and i think i hope ortega uses the right strategy yeah that's fair i think that when you look at this fight you feel like it's on ortega to really pressure uh yair and i think everything works you gotta try to kick with him a little bit and i know that's easier said than done I don't want... He is not Max Holloway. I don't want to see him try to box. I think the thing that made Brian so effective is that he had such a versatile attack compared to Korean Zombie. And now look, when you're talking about fighting Volkanovski, not everyone has the movement and shot selection like Volk. And the mm -hmm. speed and the timing. Okay, back to Brian. What can you do with this, though, against Yair? I think that, don't you know, Yair is not Volk. So you just got to keep pressing forward you, because I think that Yair's best attacks and his most effective arsenal comes from keeping that mid-range. He could flow, pick his spots, use his speed, use his length. He likes to fight very long, obviously. He doesn't throw as many of those wild kicks like he used to. He's not going for that 360 and a lot of spins and all that. But you got to think that the whip behind him is faster than Brian. So I think yeah. that if you're Brian, the more you keep him on that perimeter of the cage, the better off you'll be. More importantly, you got to kind of be like Charles Oliveira. Look for that clinch and just make getting the fight to the ground a priority. If you got to stand with him, you'll stand. But you got to make Yair feel like he's really got to work to keep that on the feet if you're Brian. 
Um, like I said, he's got the power, he's got the physical attributes, I think, to do it. It's just about executing the right entry and getting to that clinch. Because I think if he could do that, it'll open up the striking. Then if you're Yair, obviously everything is about working behind the jab and just shot selection. Stick and move, stick and move. You know that you're faster than Brian. You know that if he starts to throw with you, you could probably pick him apart. The only thing is staying out of that pocket, staying out of that close range, using your speed. I think that those attributes really start to favor Yair. Then you got to think about the damage. As fun as that fight was with Max Holloway with Yair, I feel like it's one that, relatively speaking, was not anywhere near what Brian went through in September. Yeah. So you got to think, okay, like, you tell me, you talk about X Factors. How is Brian Ortega feeling after that five rounder with Volk? I know, because I, I, I feel like Yair got bruised up, obviously hurt a little bit. Brian Ortega, it's like if you go through too many of those, suddenly I start to worry about, you know, you're probably taking a couple years off the end of the career. Oh, yeah. So I think that that's the thing. He's now taken two of those fights. You know, one with Max, one with Volk. Not that that's any, you know, ask Robbie Lawler if that's bad for you. Um, my point of that, though, is that I do want and I do think his durability is going to be tested a little bit. And I think that's going to be the real X factor. How does Ortega react to a lot of the shots that will inevitably be coming his way against Yair? Um, once again, high stakes. Once again, big, big fights for the winner. Who do you got? Well, well, well. I think that uh, Brian Ortega, as much as I enjoy watching him fight, I think he just tends to be his own worst enemy, and he's not going to resist the urge to brawl. He'll use, you know, the cage the best he can, but he's always going to want to show the world that he can beat people with his fists. And Yair Rodriguez in this matchup, I think, is the more intelligent fighter. He's going to, as you said, you know, what he should do, I think he's going to do that. He's going to keep the distance, uh, stay on the outside, use his slick striking, all the tools that he has with his limbs, avoid getting taken down. You know, if he can especially avoid it in the first two rounds, that'll be the the best for him because then you know, by three, four, five, slippery, harder for Ortega to, to get anything locked in. I will say, though, Yair Rodriguez's head is sort of small compared to Volkanovski. Um, it's definitely smaller. So there is, you know, an opportunity there for Ortega to to get some kind of chokehold submission on Rodriguez, even in the later rounds, and have success with it. But Yair Rodriguez is just too smart, and this is a way more important fight for him. So Brian Ortega already had his chance, right? So for Rodriguez, this is his chance to get to the top, to get to that title shot. And so there's more on the line in that respect. For Ortega, it's just about continuing to to uphold the value that he has as a brawler in the cage. But if he does that, you know, I don't think it's going to go well. So all that is to say, Ortega should stick to jiu-jitsu, try to get this to the ground, and submit Rodriguez early. I don't think he's going to do that. I think Rodriguez is going to win. It's going to be a five-rounder. Faces are going to be bloody. I think Rodriguez wins by decision. I actually agree with that. I think that it's going to come down to um, the execution of the game plan. I think that Yair is going to be able to keep the fight where he wants it more than Brian will. And I think that's a full credit to how he's grown as a fighter. I know Brian Ortega on the feet is a very different striker. However, I think that these last few fights, and maybe it's the level of opposition, but... I feel like he is sleeping on being able to utilize his two best weapons. First one is his physicality. He's a big featherweight. But yeah. secondly, that amazing submission game. If I'm as good as him, I want you to feel like, oh, you know, like, let's grapple. Let's yeah. deal with my jujitsu. Take me down because you're afraid of t- putting me on the feet. Let me make you worry about my grappling and then you stand still so I can hit you. He doesn't have that game. People no. feel, I think a, a lot of people anymore are getting comfortable striking with Brian Ortega. And it's because he just, I don't know if it's his wrestling, just his ability to get from the feet to the mat. 
it just seems like he's gone far away from that. And I think that that's going to really be the thing because I think that if he does not look for the takedown as actively as he should, that will come back to bite him in a five-rounder with Yair. Once again, he could probably hurt him and this is all for naught. And I'm sorry, Brian, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But on paper, I'm like, man, I just want to see you use that grappling more. I think it would make him so much more dangerous. But I think that Yair... He knows what to look out for. He knows what he needs to do. And I think he's got the full level of ability to get the job done. Not for nothing. He knows what's on on the line too. And I think he's going to channel that. He knows. He gets this win. It's Josh Emmett or Volk next for him. Belt on the line in some way. Yeah, I agree. And there we have it. There we are. I'll agree with you. I'll go for a five-rounder too. Okay. Um... Next week, UFC London, back to the UK, not for nothing, your own Double G will be there, live, from London, the Buckingham Palace, the O2 Arena, the River Thames, Big Ben, the Eye of London, or the London Eye, I'm not sure what they call it, but stay tuned for me on social media, at Double G on TV, I'll have everything for you guys, we are planning to have a show before then to recap everything, We're figuring that out with scheduling, but if not, we will be back when I get back, so don't worry. And until then, guys, y'all take care.